All right, if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open them with me to, not Exodus, but Jeremiah chapter 17 this morning. Tricked you? So this past Sunday, a week ago, we studied the end of Exodus chapter 20 as we continue through our exegetical study of that book. And the theme last week at the end of chapter 20 was the right fear of the Lord as we saw God on the mountain, the God who shakes mountains. And at the end of that sermon, I spoke about how right fear of the Lord can transform our lives. And one of the most significant ways that it can transform our lives is by helping us as God's people not to fear man, to not fear those around us, to not live for the approval and the praise of peers or of those in or outside of our friendship groups. Right fear of the Lord has the power to transform the way that you relate to every other person in your life and honestly to the entire world around you. And Redeemer family, when we realize this, it will change our entire existence. To fear man is a curse, but to fear the Lord is a blessing. And so before we Continue in our study through Exodus. We wanted to pause this morning and to do a bit more of a topical sermon on the fear of man together and how we can be a church that does not fear man but fears the Lord rightly. And to do this, we are going to look at a passage that God has used in my life personally maybe thousands of times. And so let's begin by reading Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10 this morning. <clears throat> It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Amen. May God bless the preaching of his word here this morning. Peter Parker it's a fairly normal kid, right? Peter Parker was a normal kid until he got bitten by the Arrhenius Ascorpius spider. He was an ordinary kid, subject to many ordinary things, but with that spider's venom inside of him, his life changed forever. T'Challa, the Black Panther, and all the people of Wakanda were normal people except for the presence of vibranium in their land. Steve Rogers, a very normal person, 
until he was transformed into Captain America by the magical serum that was injected into his body and by the vibranium shield that he was given. These normal people were transformed by something happening to them and then they were no longer ordinary people. Friends, don't you feel ordinary today? Isn't it hard in this life and in this world not to feel ordinary? Even if you're the most beautiful and the most athletic and the most successful, the most popular, or the most powerful person in the room today, isn't it true that daily life feels so ordinary? We, we all feel this, and, and part of our ordinariness is that we crave the approval of other people in order to make us feel stronger, and we often do anything to obtain it from others. Even this morning, I am confident that some of you are having a hard time focusing and worshiping the Lord because you're so aware in your minds of that other person or that other group of people and what they think of you. Or you're aware of what happened this week and how that might have affected your reputation in those other people's minds. Listen, so many of our issues, while normal, are hard. Self-image issues, relational drama, caring too much about our house or our job, so much of our marital strife as spouses, so much depression in our days, so many eating disorders, so many video game addictions, so much obsessing over our GPA, so much obsessing over our works, so much of playing the endless comparison game on social media. All of these things, they're normal, and we experience them on a daily basis, but listen, wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love to have a magic serum that changes all of that? Wouldn't you love to not struggle in all of those ordinary ways that most people struggle with? Wouldn't you love to have vibranium armor or, or a vibranium shield that, that makes you immune to the endless drama of your friendship groups and the endless comparison game that the people around you are in? Redeemer family, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being a hype man when I tell you this morning that right fear of the Lord is a superpower for our lives. It is better than anything that these other superheroes can offer you. Christian, if you want to be free from the endless comparison game of this world, if you want to be free from the muck and the swamp of peer pressure, if you want to be free from the endless anxiety and depression of trying to impress everyone around you with your looks or your brain or your body or your house or your children, if you want to be free from all of that, and if you want to experience new and surprising strength and joy, before God and before everyone else in this room. Listen, if you want to prosper as a Christian man or woman, then pay attention to what God says through Jeremiah here. This is gold for your soul. The main idea for our sermon this morning is simply this. Those that fear God and not man will prosper. Those that fear God and not man will will prosper. And we, we just have two points this morning. Number one, the fear of man is a curse. And number two, the fear of God is a blessing. Let's begin with the first point. Point number one, the fear of man is a curse. None of us want to be cursed, right? 
to be cursed in a biblical sense or in a Harry Potter sense or in a Narnia under the white witch sort of way is bad, right? None of us want to be cursed. None of us desire that. But look at verse 5. Jeremiah says, God says through Jeremiah, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Jeremiah does not mix words with us this morning. He says that the person who turns away from the Lord in order, in order to trust in and fear man, that person is cursed. To be cursed in a biblical sense is to have the, the blessing of God removed from your life. It's to be separated from God's good design for you. And Jeremiah says that that happens when we fear man. And Jeremiah actually gives us a pretty good definition of what fear of man really is. Look again at what he says in verse 5. He says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. So, so to trust in man is the same as to fear man because in the same way that we learned last week that the right fear of the Lord is not just to be afraid of God. It's not to cower before him. The right fear of God is to honor him and to enjoy him and to put your confidence and hope and trust in him. That's the right fear of the Lord. And this is, according to verse 5, what it is to fear man as well. So listen, maybe, maybe you're the strongest, most powerful person around you. And on a daily basis, you have zero fear of being taken advantage of by others. You're not afraid of people physically hurting you. But listen, that does not mean that you personally do not struggle with this thing called fear of man. Fear of man does not mean that you are only afraid of your peers and what they think of you. Listen, it also means that you find your hope and your confidence and your joy in them. It means that you make your people, those around you, and their perspective of you, their acceptance of you, your level of popularity among them, your strength and your joy. That's, that's what verse 5 says. To trust in or to fear man is to turn away from the one who deserves your trust and your strength. The, the fear of man is to turn away from God and it is to turn towards people. To put your hope in and to find your strength from humans. When he says, cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength, that word flesh there is speaking of humanity, it's speaking of this world and everything around us on a physical level. So, so here's a good definition of what it is to fear man. To fear man in a biblical sense is to find your hope and your confidence in people. Fear of man is to make humanity, the people around you, the determiners of your strength and happiness. And Redeemer family, I cannot tell you how guilty I am of this. I cannot tell you how much I personally struggle with this thing called the fear of man. How much I have made people and their perspective of me, my strength and my joy. I crave people's approval. I would say that this is a besetting sin in my life. I want to tell you the notorious leaf story. It's not a great story. It's a terrible story, but it makes this point really well. So here it is. 
Back in 2005, when I was a pastor at Covenant Fellowship, I was, I was only 22 years old, but I was on the pastoral team, and I, I loved my job as a pastor, and people generally seemed to enjoy me as well. But back then, I worked with college students quite a bit, and they seemed to be blessed by my ministry. But when you are a 22-year-old pastor serving a bunch of college students, one of the things you can be very confident about is that you're going to be pranked a lot. And I was. They pulled pranks on me all the time. And so there was this one Saturday night before church the next morning when at about 10.30 at night, my phone rings and on the other line is a very robotic voice and it said, go look at your car. Okay, here we go. And so I went out to my car and when I tell you I could not even see my car because of the mountain of leaves that was over it, I'm telling you the truth. Like not even the rearview mirrors were visible. It was a mountain of dirty, rotten leaves on my car. And so here's what I did. I called up another college student. I said, we have work to do. So they came over and we bagged up all of these dirty, rotten leaves into bags. We put them into the back of my car as best as we could. By this point, it's 11.30, almost midnight on a Saturday night. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to three houses because I was, I was pretty sure who had done this to me. And I, so I said, if we go to any of these three houses and we see this configuration of people's cars parked there, we know that they're together, we know that they're in cahoots, and then we can get them back. And so we got in the car and we drove to the first house, and sure enough, every one of their cars was there. I was 100% sure these are the people. And so what did we do? We took the leaves out of the back of our car, we ripped open the bags, and we, we just threw them over to their cars, just, just buried their cars in the leaves, which, which wasn't horrible. It was okay. But then, with one of the biggest mental blocks of my life, I decided at the very last second to open one of their car doors and to throw an entire bag of dirty, rotten leaves into their car. And then we ran away, and they saw us right at the last second. The only problem was they weren't the people that pranked us. <laughs> and they had no idea what was going on, and they were very confused and rather upset to see one of their pastoral team members vandalizing their property. It was not my finest moment. But listen, that week, the days that followed, I struggled so much because people were legit angry with me. They were upset and bothered by what I had done. I had lost some of their respect. And so I, I went through the process of confessing my foolishness and asking for forgiveness. And they were very gracious to me. But I still can't tell you how much my heart struggled in that moment. It was days. I was, I was despondent. I felt so helpless and hopeless. I felt such deep embarrassment. I felt such guilt. It was horrible. And listen... Some of what I felt, some of what I felt was appropriate, but so much of it was not. Do you know why? Because it was disproportionate to what I had done. Sure, people were annoyed at me, but to struggle as much as I did, it, it revealed that my confidence and my joy in life and even in my pastoral ministry was not in King Jesus alone, but rather in the praise of men. I loved being liked. I liked being popular, and when suddenly it felt like people didn't like me anymore or were upset with me, my joy and my confidence and peace in God 
were gone. Listen, Christian, it's not bad to want people to like you. It's actually good to want to be seen as a blessing in the lives of other people. But do you know when a good desire for people's respect and acceptance turns into fear of man? I'll tell you when. When your soul tanks when you don't have it. Christian, if your soul is happy and good when people like you and are happy with you and you feel popular, but the moment that someone critiques you or corrects you or challenges you or adjusts you or the moment you lose a friend or someone unfollows you on social media or the moment you don't feel as popular as you thought that you were and your soul is suddenly depressed, that is a sure sign that you have found your strength in flesh and not in the Lord, that you struggle with the fear of man. And that's exactly what God says in this text today, right? God defines the fear of man in verse 5, and then he explains the effect of the fear of man in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. He describes the curse. He says, he is like a shrub in the desert. I find that to be such powerful imagery for me. It says that the man who, who fears man and not God is like a shrub in the desert. When it says that, you know what I think of? I think one of, of one of those tumbleweeds in the Western movies, just being blown along by the wind. It has no life within it. It has no life without it. It just goes wherever the wind blows. It says that to put your trust in man and not in God is to be like a parched land in the wilderness or an uninhabited salt land, a place where nothing good can grow, where there is no life. God's word can't be more direct with you this morning. Your life will be like a shrub in the desert if you choose to fear man rather than God. It will. And I've been praying that God would give us all humility today to see how many of our lives actually look more like shrubs in the desert than anything else. And listen, that, that doesn't mean that if we fear man rather than God that all of our lives look exactly the same. Oh no, by, by no means. The fear of man is a very sneaky thing. Let, let me explain. Fear of man can lead one person to rebel and to do whatever the world asks them to do. They, they can live entirely for the world around them because they just crave acceptance from others. They, they've made social status their strength and so they say certain words, they obsess over certain things, they go to certain places, they do certain drugs, they'll do certain things with their bodies, all in the pursuit of being accepted by others. They've, they've made flesh their strength. But fear of man can also lead another person to never act out, to live a very clean and orderly life, to have perfect church attendance, to serve on 37 different ministry teams, to pray loudly before others, to raise their hands in worship, but all because they love the acceptance and encouragement and praise of those around them. They have made flesh their strength. Fear of man can bring both of those lives about, but do you know what the result of both of them will be? If it is fueled by the fear of man, whether you are the rebellious one or the passionate worshiper, you will 100% be like a shrub in the desert. Nothing good will come out of your life. Why? Why? Because in fearing man, 
in trusting in flesh and in people, you are refusing to find your satisfaction and your hope and your confidence and your joy in the one thing, the one person that is able to do you the greatest good and to strengthen you most. Jeremiah says in chapter 2 that we have chosen to drink from broken cisterns, dirty cisterns, contaminated water when there is a fountain of living water flowing for us to enjoy. A fountain of living water that can give you the life and the satisfaction that you are so longing for in your daily existence. And that brings us to our second point. Point number two, the fear of God is a blessing. Have you ever run full speed into a tree? No? Oh, you're normal. I have many, many times, in fact. Explains a lot of why I am the way that I am, I know. But I did, listen, I grew up in New Jersey and in our large yard we had over a hundred large oak trees and we would often play tag or manhunt in the yard and there would be a lot of running. And everyone else seemed to have this running thing down pretty well, not me. At least not when other people were chasing me around the trees. Because here's what I would do. As I was running away from somebody, I would be too preoccupied with who was behind me and what they were doing and how close they were getting. And so I would look back the whole time trying to get away from them. Preoccupied by them rather than looking forward at where I was going. It's not bad to look back occasionally and to see where they are or if they're gaining ground. But to do so too much, let me tell you, leads you to suddenly run into a full-grown oak tree. And let me tell you, full-grown oak trees don't feel anything in that moment. Only you do with blood running down your face. It happened a number of times. Listen, friends, this is a whole lot like what fear of man is. It's a curse. To fear man is to spend way too much time looking at other people and trying to figure out where they are and what their opinion of you is. Do they like me? Do they not like me? Am I popular? Am I not? Am I accepted? Am I not? Constantly looking back It's like a curse because it will inevitably lead you to feeling like you're running into tree after tree. You will be like a shrub in the desert because you will spend more time lying on the ground trying to recover from your disappointment and hurt from others than moving forward in strength in the Lord. That's what fear of man is. But the fear of the Lord is different. The fear of the Lord is different. Look at verse 8 with me. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Verse 7, I'm sorry. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. What, What a different picture. Instead of being a shrub in the desert, the one who fears God is like a tree. And a strong tree at that with roots that go deep into the earth. And that brings life and strength and fruitfulness. It says blessed. That word blessed means content, happy, strong, blessed, rather than being cursed. Blessed is this one. Listen, the 65-year-old grandmother, 
the 35-year-old woman, the 40-year-old pastor, the 23-year-old graduate student, the 15-year-old sophomore in high school, the 9-year-old at home, if they fear the Lord and not man, they will not be unhappy. They will be happy and they will prosper. That is what it is to trust in and to fear the Lord. Our definition from last week of what the fear of the Lord is was that it is to view him with right humility and with trembling joy. Listen, if that's what the fear of the Lord is, then the fear of man is to view people with wrongful pride and trembling fear. The, the result is still a whole lot of trembling, but, but it's anxious trembling rather than joyful trembling, confident trembling. It's trembling over small and insignificant things. And so listen, how many of our lives are full of that sort of anxiety and anxious trembling and, and fear? We're so anxious and fearful, aren't we? We're anxious about our reputation. We're anxious about our appearance. We're anxious about our acceptance. We're anxious about the type of life we're living and how it compares to others. And just listing those things will give some of us a, a panic attack this morning. How many of the men and women in this room are, being, are doing dozens of things in life, not because they feel like it pleases the Lord or is even best to them, but rather because they think they need to do those things to, to please others or to gain the praise of men. How, how many couples in this room are so busy with the business of life and family and doing a bazillion things together that sometimes you just stop and stare at each other and say, what are we doing? Why are we going after all of these things? Who's telling us we have to do this? We don't need to prove ourselves to anyone or to our culture. We don't need to reach a certain social status. That is not what is important. But listen, if you trust in man, if you fear man, if you orient your life around those things, if you're anxious about those things, then you'll be like a shrub in the desert. You'll have a panic attack on the daily. But, but look at verse 8. It says, the one who trusts God is not anxious. They're not anxious. Doesn't that sound nice? They're not anxious and they will not fear. Oh. Friend, do you want to be free from anxiety and fear? Do you want a, a magic serum or a vibranium shield? Fear the Lord. Trust in Yahweh. Worship the God of the mountain that we studied last week. Do not find your strength in peers. Find your strength in the Lord. Orient around him. View him rightly according to his word. He will be your strength. He will be your shield. He will be your confidence and your joy in every season of life. Whether you are in the later years of life, whether you are raising a bunch of kids, whether you are freshmen and crew, whether you are still in middle school, he will be your strength. But this is hard, isn't it? It's hard to not live for men. It's hard to not live for this world, but to live for God. Verse 9 says that the heart within us is deceitful above all things. Our, our hearts, part of us, 
constantly turning away from the blessing of fearing the Lord, and they're constantly trying to convince us that we should fear man. Instead, our hearts are not reliable in this life. They lie to us. They deceive us. They make us value things that are not truly valuable. Your heart cannot be trusted. And that can be a very discouraging thing, right? Because how are we to be blessed? How are we to truly fear the Lord if our hearts inside of us are an enemy against us and are constantly lying to us and seeking to convince us that we should fear man rather than God? And so what are we supposed to do? How are we to overcome our deceitful hearts in order to fear God like we should? Well, listen, seeing Seeing Jeremiah here in chapter 17 speak about the heart in this way, it actually should encourage us a little bit because even though it seems like bad news because he says that our hearts are deceitful above all things, it can actually encourage us because this is not the last time that Jeremiah will speak about our hearts. Now in Jeremiah chapters 29 to 33, God begins to say through Jeremiah, that he will come to his people and he will turn their mourning into joy. And in the midst of talking about what will happen in that he makes some really big promises to his people. He says that he will be found by us. We will find him. Because Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 says that he will write his law on our hearts. And then Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 40, listen to this. He says, I will not turn away from doing good to them. Listen, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. That's amazing. Our hearts would only ever fear man and be cursed, but God has chosen to intervene for us and to right the fear towards himself. And he has intervened in and through the gospel. Listen, the God of the mountain that we studied last week, the God who shakes the mountain and causes the, the mountains to smoke and whose voice is like thunder, the God whose voice caused all of this and caused the people to tremble this God whom the angels declare as holy, 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 who is unapproachable in his glory, this God has intervened for our sinful and deceitful hearts by sending his son Jesus to save us from ourselves. This is why Jesus came, because all we would ever do is run into tree after tree after tree after tree. Apart from Jesus, friend, you would be a shrub in the desert forever. There would be no life within you at all. But all of that can change. All of that has changed for many of us in this room because of Jesus. Because he came to save us from our own sinful hearts. Look, Looking to Jesus and putting your faith in him and your trust in him is the only way, it's the only way that freedom from bondage to people can be found. It's the only way that freedom and not living anxious is possible. And listen, this is not just for the moment of salvation. So, some of you do not know Jesus as Lord and as King over your lives. This is for you. He's inviting you today to put your faith in him and to say, I'm done living an anxious life. I'm done living for this world. I want to live for you because I see that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. If that's you, you should bend the knee right now before King Jesus. 
But all that happens here is not just for the moment of salvation. It's also for day-to-day discipleship as Christians. Looking to Jesus is is how we will survive in this life. It's it's how we will survive social anxiety and, and peer pressure. Looking to Jesus is the only way to have the right orientation for your life and for your family. It's the only way to deal with the drama of school and the wrongful comparison game of, of life that our culture plays with us. Look at him. See how beautiful he is. How magnificent he is in his grace and goodness. How strong he is. How trustworthy and true he is. How faithful he is. How good he is. Yes, he is all the all-powerful God. He shakes mountains. He makes us quake before his glory. But he is also good and kind and gentle. Look at him and consider how gloriously forgiving and perfectly loving he is. Looking to Jesus more than to people will transform your life. Have you ever committed a sin that haunts you to this day? Have you ever committed a mistake that you think of almost every morning when you wake up? The shame is so real, it runs so deep, you feel dirty every time it comes to mind, and you have heard the gospel be preached over you again and again and again, but it seems to be like it's, it's hitting a, a wall and falling flat to the ground. Friend, if you have committed any, any sin, no matter how grievous you think it will be, and the glorious news that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for that sin and his blood washes over you and cleanses you from the guilt and shame of that sin forever. If that does not change your thinking and take away your shame, the chances are you're fearing man rather than God. You're more aware of what people think of you because of that mistake, or you're more aware of what you think of you because of that mistake rather than what he thinks of you. The gospel changes everything. Looking to Jesus more than to people will transform your life forever. And church, I feel like I have all the evidence in the world to prove this from my own life. I have such a very long history of being a shrub in the desert. I remember not long after my deeply embarrassing mistake of throwing all those dirty, rotten leaves into that car, I remember seeing my heart more clearly than I ever had before. And I remember going to the Lord on a, on a personal retreat and just being on the floor on my face, crying out to God, God, you need to save me from my fear of man. God, I can't live this way anymore. God, I love you and I know that you have saved me, but this is a besetting sin and it is deeply dishonoring to you and it is terribly troubling to me. God, I'm tired of having other people's perspective of me determine my level of joy and peace and strength. God, please help me. Help me to fear you. Help me to trust you more than anyone or anything else. And I remember being on my face, and I remember him calling to mind Jeremiah chapter 17, this text, and he used these five verses in that moment to radically, radically change my perspective on life. He used these five verses to show me how wrong my orientation was underneath the the veil of my, my godliness and my performance, how much of it I was doing for others and not for him. Friends, God has been so faithful to me. 
The battle remains because I still love the praise of men. But I do not think that I have lived for the praise of men nearly as much over the last 18 years as I did before. God has been good. I do not crave people's approval like I once did. My, my service to God is done with better motivations. It's not perfect motivation, but it's better motivation. I'm okay with not being perfect in everyone's eyes. I'm okay with not being perfect in my own eyes. Friends, he can do the same for you today. He can and he will free us from our own deceitful hearts if we look to him to do so. Those that fear God and not man will prosper. This is, this is God's word to you this morning. I believe you're here today to hear this word from God. Fearing the Lord rather than men will change you. It will empower you. Fearing the Lord and not man will it'll change your daily practice. It will change your life's mission and it will change your worship forever. Listen, if you fear the God of the mountain that we saw last week rather than men, then your pursuit of holiness will change on a daily basis. Your strength and your obedience to King Jesus will not be determined by whether you feel popular or not, or whether you're, not, whether you're getting along with your parents or not, or whether you feel materialistically successful or not. No, when you fear God rather than men, you are given a strong foundation to stand on, and you are able to live boldly for him regardless of your circumstances. Last week, Moses said to the people of Israel that God was displaying himself with such power as the God of the mountain. Why? That they might not sin. If you fear God rather than people, you will become more holy. Sin will have less power in your life. If you fear the God of the mountain rather than people, it will change your life's mission forever. You will not be a chameleon that begins to look and act like whatever group of friends you happen to be standing around at every, any given time. No, you will consistently reflect King Jesus wherever you are and with whoever you are with. And it will gain this, you will gain this holy ambition to live your life not for your own glory, but for the glory of Christ. One of the biggest effects that the right fear of God can have is towards evangelism and towards mission and to reaching the nations with the name of Jesus. Why? Because as you experience the grace and the mercy of the God who shakes mountains and who has shown his steadfast love to you, you're going to want to get out there and share it with other people. You're going to want to share it with the other students on campus and with your coworkers and with your neighbors and your friends because you've experienced true grace and mercy. And if you fear God rather than people, it will transform your worship. So many of us are slow to worship the Lord like we truly want during the week and even here on Sunday mornings. We're, we're slow to lift our hands. We're slow to use our bodies to express. We're slow to sing loudly. We're slow to bring a prophetic word of encouragement because we're afraid of what others might think of us. We're, we're afraid to truly worship Jesus in spirit and in truth because we, are too much, we care too much about the eyes of others but right fear of the Lord will change that for you. Redeemer, the fear of the Lord is a blessing because it will liberate you to worship Jesus like your soul really, really wants to. And so let's fear the Lord together. This is our prayer, that we would prosper in him. There is 
a magic serum. There is a vibranium shield to protect your soul from the ordinariness of life and the endless comparison game. It is rightly fearing the Lord and worshiping him for who he is. Amen?